like this music. <laughs> Eddie, you did good on this music. I like that. <laughs> All right, everybody. I um, Today we're talking about what has an article that just came out by Bloomberg and it's behind a paywall, but I actually pay for it. So we're going to be talking about this article that came out because it's pretty much what I've been saying for almost what, four years now. And uh, finally the mainstream media is getting on it. <laughs> finally, um, a little uh, FYI. So uh, I got a, I got a email and it was a new subscriber who had never been to the live stream before. So I, I didn't even think about the fact that some of you that have been watching this have never been to my um, live streams that I do on Sunday. So I'm giving you a little rundown how it runs. Every week, usually I have a guest on and I invite people to come on to talk about the local or not the local, the national headlines of what's going on in real estate across the United States. For the first few minutes of the show, the first 15, 20 minutes, I go ahead and talk about that or those headlines. And I usually have this guest that we go back and forth talking about it. Then after that, I answer the questions in uh, the live stream chat on YouTube that come up and we have a discussion about that. And I answer your real estate questions. If it just so happens that I missed your question, it isn't anything personal. It isn't because I'm playing favorites or anything like that. It just is that sometimes the chat moves so incredibly fast that the uh, person behind my husband, who is the um, producer in the back, doesn't see it. It isn't that he's singling you out in a, in a negative way. It's just that he didn't see your question. If you ever feel like you know, some of your questions were not answered, just email me. I have an email address. You can just go to my website and um, christinasmallhorn.com and you can email me through that and I will get your questions and I will answer them. Um, I'm, I've never, ever, ever like purposely do not answer a question, especially when you phrase it first, the word question with the question. So I just want everybody to know that I'm, not, I'm never singling anybody out. Um, so with that, we're going to be talking about the first article that came out. No guests this week. Again, I, I should be bringing guests back next week. I, I'm trying to get some things done on, on my, on the back end. I'm very, very busy. <laughs> so, um, it's hard to line up some of these guests when I'm, um, like my brain is focused on something else at the moment, but this article came out and I was like, oh, wow, this is perfect for what we talk about. So, Eddie, if you could put that up on the screen, I would greatly appreciate it. If I can get my screen to work, hold on. Let me um, pull this out because my screen is going crazy. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, Americans need to be richer than ever to buy their first home. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to move this over here so I can read better. Ooh, the housing market has softened a bit uh, after years of soaring frantic bidding wars, but there's been a little reprieve for uh, buyers trying to crack into the market. First time home buyers made up the smallest share of sales on record on record at 26%, even as home values have started to cool, according to the National Association of Realtors. And rising borrowing costs, still high prices have pushed the housing to unaffordable levels. And records going back as far as four decades, four decades, this is the most unaffordable the housing market has ever been. With all the spring home buying season approaching, a uh, time when young families often try to find their first houses in the summer with brand new school year, scant inventory, which I've been saying inventory for affordable homes is non-existent, means the market is still tight. 
that's pushing the American dream of a single family house with a yard, even just simple starter condo increasingly to people who already have an economic advantage. So only the rich are going to be able to buy houses. Being high uh, paying jobs, a lot of cash or access to a bank of mom and dad. And the rest of us uh, left out a key opportunity to build, build wealth. So that's why more and more houses are turning into rentals because they know that you're, you've been priced out of the market. Um, we are far from affordable for uh, for the masses, says Nicole Bach, Bachin? Bach, uh, senior economist for Zillow Group. The scales are sh uh, shifted towards home buyers with higher incomes and better financial background. This will be the norm until we get more inventory on the ground. Like I said, we do not have enough inventory for affordable housing across the United States. Uh, first time uh, buyers face the least affordability in the market. Now, this is one of those things I want to have a discussion with you because I was looking at this graph and I must have looked at this graph for a good 20 minutes. I know people that are on the podcast or can't uh, see this, but um, the last time that affordability was this terrible, um, it's actually below, it's actually worse now than it was back in 2007, was in 2006. That was the lowest it had ever been. And then shortly, what, within two years, then uh, affordability came back up, started rising back up. Uh, by 2008, you, you know, you could find affordability again. I'm wondering how long will this last before we start seeing affordable homes on the market? Because the difference between now and then uh, and this is what like some people are only seeing as one thing. So they look at this graph and they say, well, look, there's this is the same thing that happened back in the last housing crash when the affordability was this bad. The difference is during the last crash, we had an excess amount of inventory that had been created and built. There was tons of new construction throughout the United States during that time. So when the bubble finally burst, we were left with a ton of vacant homes of brand new vacant homes. We don't have that issue. They have not been building enough houses and they since that last crash. So I, 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 I don't see it as some of the, uh, I would say other YouTube gurus or whatever you want to call them. They're saying, well, if you look at this graph and you follow it, that means in the next couple of years, we're going to see a flood of affordable homes hitting the market because that's going to start to autocorrect like it did before. We don't have that supply of houses on the market. And to prove my point, the, the uh, average age of the home buyer now is uh, almost 10 years older than the average age of a home buyer back then. That you can't you can't find the houses. They're just not there. Uh, yeah, the problem uh, living in Omaha says uh, the problem is extremely low interest rates lock people into their homes and their current prices. Yes, and that's the other issue. So back in the day um, when people had all these other loan packages, they had the incentive to move and sell their homes. Today. People have now bought their home and whether you believe it was overpriced or not, they bought that home and they bought it at 2.6%. So Eddie, I want you to pull up that, that simple calculator. It's all, it's going to be different for everybody's state when it comes to interest rate. But I want to pull up that simple calculator because the median price home across the United States right now is $365,000. 
the interest rates right now are at, I'm going to say it's 675. That's where it was the other day. So Eddie, go ahead and hit that over there and um, hit that number where it says 365. We want that number to be 365. Eddie's going to go ahead and highlight that. This is the part that like people don't understand. I also found out when I was researching this, that the average person puts down only 15% uh, on average, that's on average, puts 15% down on their first home. So you can change the mortgage rate as well, Eddie, to 6.75. Uh, 6 and then look, there's a little tab at the top. You put, I think you put 5.75. And then um, and then make sure that you hit that tab that says include taxes and fees right there, right above the loan amount. On the left-hand side, Edward, Eddie, the left-hand side of the screen where the calculator is, there's a little tab, hit that, thank you. And then it's gonna ask for your, um, the down payment, put that at 15%. So this is the this is what I want you to see. For the median price home in the United States, <laughs> for the median cost of a home in the United States, at $365,000, at a uh, 6.5 interest rate, oh, Eddie's fixing this, he, he put the wrong number. <laughs> It's like it's over three thousand dollars. I already did this earlier. It's over three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars for a mortgage payment. I, you still have the interest rate wrong. You have it at five point seven five. <laughs> yeah, like that—that that is insanity to me. Total insanity. Nearly three thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, like that, like for, and then if they wanted to rent that very same house from a corporate invest, investor, it would be like 2,700. So to save like $200, would someone go in and buy their first house? Maybe, maybe not, you know, especially when you're young and you're not sure if you're going to move all the time, they make it just a share, like a hair less expensive, just a hair less expensive than purchasing a house. I mean, I don't know how the average person affords it. And then when people say, well, go ahead and just, you know, like quit complaining, quit renting and go buy something. I think people are delusional. And uh, I want you to ask them when they say that to you, if they looked at the cost of a home. And so, and then I've heard people say, well, your expectations for your first house are too high. Go look at these houses over here. And I'm like, do you know how much these houses over here cost? Frank. <laughs> and the, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're like 175. Oh, no, 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 no. They're 375. They're 375. There's people are that are not in the market do not understand that those little tiny starter homes today cost way more than you probably even imagine. And we're in a I think we're in a crisis when it comes to affordability in the United States. Even if more homes were to enter the market at this point, it would take a lot to be able to repair the mess that has been made when it comes to affordability. Hi, Clark, the realtor. <laughs> realtor. I gotta say that right. If I say realtor, then it's wrong. I'm sure most of the masses don't know that, but <laughs> housing is locked up by price and interest rates. Yeah, so like even um the when when the rates almost hit like right under like right at five for like five seconds there for a second you know like it was like uh i think it was 5.99 on a thursday I'll, I'll never forget that the phones were ringing off the hook because that was enough incentive for 
for people that had money to go, okay, let me go get in now. I know I didn't get the 2.5%, but at least I can get in now. But they're still waiting. They're they're literally watching the rates. And every time that they take down just a scotch, they're running out to find a house. They're running out. They want it, they want that house. Um, I wish I had a time machine. I would have made uh I would make the home prices go back to the prices in the 80s. You know, like I I, I would if I had a time machine. I would have never let the housing market go to where it went to during the pandemic. I would have like run to the Fed and said, do not keep interest rates that incredibly low because they left them too low for too long. Like when they did that that first year, they should have stopped when they saw exactly what was going on in the housing market. They're not idiots. Why they kept it going for as long as they did, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I have no idea why they kept the mortgage interest rates where they were at um, and why they did what they did. But I mean, we could all like wish we had a crystal ball and a time machine and everything. We can't like turn it back I, as much as we all like to complain about it. We're the only country that's still holding it all together and not falling apart. As much as we complain about our um, inflation, a lot of that inflation is is fake inflation, to tell you the truth. A lot of corporations have heard the word inflation, so they intentionally have upselled their their uh products they have taken some of the products out of uh like a bag of chips it used to be 12 ounces and now it's 10 and they hope you don't notice and then they double the price <laughs> they're doing it on purpose they know that they that they have you and they're they already know that you're in your brain you've heard inflation so you're willing to pay more um so uh as much as i love to complain about the fed we're still the only country that's pulling or is holding it together. No one else is doing it as well as we are. Uh, <laughs> and I like to dog on the government a lot. So, <laughs> um, Marzik has a question says there is a community down the street and that I wanted to buy a house in, and it was 117 back in 2017. Now they're up to 260. That's crazy. That's a starter home in Florence, South Carolina. That, I mean, and that's the story everywhere. Our, uh, very first house that I ever bought, I bought in 2000, what was it, 2002, Eddie? Yeah, it was 2002. We bought it for 135 And when the mar market went absolutely crazy in Florida the last time during the last bubble, it got up to 300000 And I kept laughing at Eddie. I go, oh, my God, this house is not worth $300,000. There's nothing about this house that made it $300,000. I was shocked, totally shocked. Um, but, I mean, that was... That was the incentive was there because the average person, no matter how bad their income was, could get a house. I had friends and I've said this before. I had friends that had no business ever owning a home and they were able to buy a humongous house. And I'm like, Eddie, what are we doing wrong? He's like, I don't think we're doing anything wrong. You know, I'm like, God, how could they afford this house? And then they lost it. They, they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford to pay it. I don't know how many people bought a house thinking it was their ATM machine because they were going to live in it for a year and then sell it. Well, they lived in it for a year. The market fell out and then they couldn't sell it. They had to go ahead and give it over to the bank. How does this happen? Well, it happens because builders got scared. Builders got scared to have an excess inventory and you can't really blame them. They And it's more difficult to build homes than it was back then too. We have a lot more regulations than we've ever had when it comes to building a subdivision. It takes years of planning before they ever scrape the ground. The average is about five years before they ever scrape the, the ground for a neighborhood. 
Um, you know, they got to go through all this planning and zoning and development and all this other garbage plans have to be spread out, plat maps, all this stuff, all these approvals. The average is about five years. I heard in California, it can be over 10 to 12 years just before they even scrape the ground for a subdivision. Then once that all that planning has been done and they're ready to scrape the ground, there's no incentive for them to build inexpensive homes. We were lucky here in the area that I live because during the last crash, there was all these developers that had developed all the land with the intent of building huge houses. And they had scraped all everything. The, the lots were ready to go and the market fell out. And they were like, we don't want to build these houses anymore. So some of the bigger, some of the bigger builders were like, well, there's still first time home buyers that are willing to build. And they, there's a subdivision behind us, behind Eddie and I, that was originally for McMansions, like houses with our, that were over 4,000 square feet. I mean, you should have seen these roads. They have beautiful bridges in the whole nine yards, bricked roadways. We don't have bricked roadways, but that subdivision does. They sold every single one of those lots, reparceled them all out, and then they made affordable housing in there. The houses started in the what 140s, I think they originally, when they first started building those houses, they started building them in the 140s. And that that subdivision sold like that in the crappiest housing market on the planet. But there was enough new home buyers, brand new home buyers that were like, this is perfect for us. And there's tons of young families that live out there. The, the thing is now we don't have those neighborhoods and those developed areas like we did before. There, there's just no subdivisions for them to even think about putting affordable housing if, if the market was to go bad. Um, there's no incentive for them to do it. Yep. That's a lot of money plus utilities and the cost of living. And then you have your insurance. Yep. That is right, Jesse. That is correct. 100%. Andy says, hello, Christina. I love your informational videos. Just here from MP, uh, on NPR, only 20% of homes for sale are affordable. Yeah, I was just showing that in the article that I showed on, um, on uh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg had an article. It's behind a paywall, but I happened to pay for them. Uh, I, some of the articles are pretty interesting. Uh, the thing is, is that I've been sounding the alarm about affordability since before the pandemic, because we've ha we had an issue beforehand, but they were like, oh, now there's plenty of houses. Then they kept promising there was going to be this silver tsunami, which was supposed to be all the boomers were going to sell their starter homes and move to Florida. But yeah, they didn't sell their starter homes. They kept them and they either used them for investment property and then they bought another property down in Florida and then they went ahead and bought one in Colorado just because I mean the like boomers bought a lot in the last five years. Um, Clark the realtor says the tiny home community being built in Atlanta, Georgia is 190, 190, a tiny home community for 190 for 330 square feet and 230 for 600 square feet. That is insanity. That is insanity. Like in Atlanta, there you have plenty of land to still build. I mean, Atlanta's spread out. It's like the hugest city. There's still plenty for them to build. Insanity. Uh, inflation and shrinkflation. Yeah, that's right. They shrunk all the products, you know, get four pieces of bread less. And then like, you know, the whole thing with the eggs, that was a, I'm sorry, that was a facade, all of that. Back in the day, predatory lending was a big problem. We don't have the predatory lending like we had before. I've seen more creative loans coming out as the interest rates did uh, pop up, but the 
the approval process for those loans isn't the same as it wasn't back in the day. You know, like really, honestly, anybody could walk in and say, I want to buy a house and they sell them a house. But uh, today they, you have sometimes they ask you for the same freaking documents 15 times. You're like, how many times do you need my new bank statement? <laughs> you just got it yesterday. Well, you need it again. Okay. All right. Uh, question. It seems like uh, owners who can't afford a home can almost always buy time by renting it. Has this, uh, has this always been true or is it a uh, recent development with small landlords prevent uh, a crash? Small landlords don't, own enough real estate in order to make a difference. Um, even like, like sometimes they'll even say, well, or only corporate investors only own 2%. That that's hogwash. They own, maybe they own, if you average out the whole entire United States, they only own 2% of the housing market, but it, they own a lot of real estate in certain pockets. Like they own corporate investors own a big stake in Atlanta. They have a big stake in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. So they're not going to let those, those uh, if they own that, they'll just continue to rent it. Even if the housing market was to crash, it wouldn't mean a hill of beans to them. They'd still be able to rent their, their houses out. Um, they know what they're doing and they, and they love it. And they love it. Another thing too, is like, people are like, well, what if the foreclosures happen again? Well, banks don't like foreclosures on their book. They don't like that at all. First of all, they're going to work with you as a homeowner before you ever, ever decide to foreclose on because it's a process. It, it's heavy weighted on their books. They can't stand it. If it ends up going to foreclosure, they just bundle up all those foreclosures, walk over to a company like Tricon and say, hey, we have 40 foreclosures in um, outside of uh, Tampa, Florida. Do you want them? And they're like, heck yeah, we do. And they give them to them for a steal just to get them off their books. That's why the home prices didn't fall apart. Like they went down, but they didn't completely like crash, 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 crash all the way down because the corporate investors, all that money that we gave them, that little bailout money, do you know what they did? They took that bailout money and they went over there and they bought all the foreclosures. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. Clementina Reynolds says, my first rental is uh, not cash flowing Tucson, Arizona. Are other people seeing this too? I assume it's a combo of high interest rates and high prices. It's your first rental. Like, I don't know when you bought it. I don't know what, what you're doing to not make it a cash flowing property. Did you buy it at the height of the market and then expect to get high rent on top of it? How many rentals are in the area? What is everybody else priced at? There's a million reasons why you're, I, I mean, I would have to look at your individual situation. Um, my, my rentals are doing good. Uh, Doug Stuffelbean is in the house. Hello, Doug. If anybody doesn't know, Doug works for a modular home company. It's actually they build SIPs construction. And he's one of my favorite people out in Texas. So Serenity Cow has a question. Which mortgage calculator was it that you just used? So I just went into like this. It's just a basic, just type in Google, basic mortgage calculator. And it will give you that. Every state's going to have something a little different when it comes even to interest rates the interest rates are slightly different for every single state. Um, so I just hit it for the whole United States. I, you know, just clicked calculator and then I just put include taxes and uh, fees. It's going to be different for every state. Yeah. Google basic. Yep. 
Uh, oh, you know what? At the beginning of the, the stream, somebody went ahead. Um, I think his name was ba uh, Rain or Bane. What was their name, Eddie? Right at the beginning of the stream, we did have a, a new channel member. Shay. Shay. Yep. Thank you so much, Shay, for being a new channel member. I didn't yeah, I didn't acknowledge you at the beginning, and I want to make sure that I got your name out there. I appreciate you helping support the channel here. Doug Stufflebean. See, I mentioned his name, and he gave me a super chat. <laughs> Thank you so much for the $50 super chat. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> our, uh, our super chat. There we go. Eddie was delayed. <laughs> Eddie was delayed on this super chat. We're going to have another question coming up on the screen right now. I appreciate everybody that uh, always donates to the channel. Right now, I haven't been putting out content. So anything you can do to support it always is extremely thank. I'm very, very appreciative of. I'm very appreciative. If anybody has any questions, go ahead and make sure you put the word question first. And then your question. So that way, Eddie can find it. It's, you know, it's the chat moves fast. Um, I, you know, whenever we're talking about affordable housing, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but the 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 White House has come out with several different plans. Uh, one of them is for um, rezoning some areas that were never zoned for um, manufactured construction, but they want to include modular homes. If anybody doesn't know, modular construction can be done super mega fast, way faster than regular construction because everything's already pre-designed and pre-put together. So all they're doing is clicking those houses together. And if you're worried about the quality of those, they they look like regular houses. They're built like regular houses. Matter of fact, they're actually usually built to better building standards than your traditional built homes. I don't know why they became a, like a naughty word in the construction business. And um, I'm, I'm predicting that in the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot more modular homes. You won't know the difference if you're not looking. You'll just be like, damn, that neighborhood went up fast. <laughs> yep. Oh, small wildfires went ahead and became a channel member too. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, PR Trading Club says, uh, my first one I did, uh, did not have ca cash flow at first. Well, I will even say with my very, our very first uh, property that we did, we had to do a lot, a lot of repairs on it. So within that, I think it didn't really become real cash flow positive until after a few years because we had to have so many things done to it. Like it needed a new roof. Um, the woman that lived there was a hoarder, you know, like we had to end up getting a new air conditioning after uh, a couple of years. Um, there's always little, little things that need to be done, but the equity that it's already gained in the area that we put it has made it all worthwhile all worthwhile. Amanda has a question. Um, is it going to change at all? Love the videos. Is the affordability problem going to change at all? The affordability is not going to change until we have enough affordable homes on the market. I mean, there would have to be a large number of affordable homes that would have to be entering the market. Builders haven't been building them. They haven't been building them since the last crash because they can make more money on a bigger house. Um, and there's no incentive for them to do it. I mean, I don't blame them. Why would you, why would you put a, a small house, 1400 square foot house that would only, let's just say, get you $300,000 when you can put on that same exact lot, a house double that size and that gets you 650,000, but it doesn't really cost you that much more in labor and in product, it only costs you like 10% more in labor and product. So 
I, I, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. It's just, it's, we're in a bad situation. They have not made it easy for people, but I almost, I, that's where my tinfoil hat comes in, but I almost feel like it's by design, you know, like I, I really feel like it was, it was set up. They knew the writing was on the wall for years. For the last 10 years, they knew there wasn't enough affordable homes on the market. That's why I've been talking about it way before the pandemic. And they knew about it. They, they've known about it. And then they're like, oh, we'll worry about it when everybody else starts complaining. <laughs> so would you call this a housing crash? No, we're not in a crash. Not even close. Not even close. Not, not, not right now with the home prices where they're at. Even if there was a, let's just say a 10% cor correction in some areas, let's just say it was a 20% correction. That still doesn't make it affordable for a good portion of the world. I mean, for the good portion of the people that live in that area, there is more of a problem. Like if you, uh, there's a guy that uh, I know his name is, um, um, anyways, his channel's uh, Will Friedner. Uh, he was living in Montana and he's in Bozeman, Montana. The biggest problem they have is it is a vacation area, right? And all of the housing in that area is so expensive, but they don't have enough workers living in that area to want to, that can work there and live there. They're trying to come up with all these solutions, basically like, well, you can rent a space and rent a uh, camper and you can stay here for the summertime in this camper and go wait tables for the rich people. And like, what? What? That's like a lot of areas have turned into this thing where it's like, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. They can't find people to work matter. Like this is not, this is true. Eddie and I went out to dinner last night and it was just Buffalo wild wings. They could not get enough people to show up to work. And I'm like, have we gotten that unaffordable around this area that they can't find people to work here? Like how far did they have to drive? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the way that waiters are paid is baloney anyway. I, I mean, honestly, those those companies that run restaurants, not the small restaurants, those big restaurants, they are they're cash cows for them because they basically get labor for so cheap because I like the waitresses only get paid two forty five an hour and they're forced to stay there. I, I know this isn't about wait staff or anything, but I was talking to Eddie about this last night. I'm like, who would want to live out here? Wait tables for two forty-five a night. That it's not busy right now. They can't get enough wait staff. Like you're forced to stay there the whole entire shift at two forty-five, and you walk home with nothing in your pocket. Ugh, forget it. Um, Flame Fred said, "Question: When we purchased our condo, our loan was eventually taken over by another big lender, which we hate. Yeah, I know. Any way to avoid this in the future when we are buying our next home? By the way, we love your channel. Yes, there is a way. So whenever you're getting your mortgage, um, go with a lender that does not sell the mortgage. They service their own loans. That's what you want to do is you want to find a lender that services their own loans, meaning they own the loan and they keep the loans and they service them all the way through to the end. Um, we had a, Eddie and I had a, some beef with a specific mortgage company as well. And uh, that's what we did because it stinks too. I'll tell you what, like back, we're going to talk about the last crash. Um, we had, a, we had a loan with a company then, then we made our first payment. Then we got a, uh, another thing in the mail saying that we owed it to this 
other new company. We won't go to make that checkout. We know so sooner, like let the ink dry. I was putting it in the mailbox and they had sold it to another lender. So within a three month, like less than three months a period of time, our loan had been sold three times. I'm like, who do we pay? Who owns this freaking loan? And then my friend whose dad had got uh, ill, wasn't able to pay his, his loan um, for a period of time. So it was kind of like, uh, it was, he was having some issues, but then all of a sudden he, he had, um, tried, tried to give them a bulk sum of money. That company didn't own the loan. Then he, the new company didn't know anything about it. It had passed so many hands. That loan had passed so many hands. Nobody knew who actually owned the loan. And I think it took them almost eight years before they ever found out who actually owned the loan before they were able to finally foreclose on it. It was insanity they like she was just staying there waiting for them to knock on the door azia with a uh, two dollar super, super chat. chat thank you when will, when will mortgage rates super go chat. back to the threes <laughs> oh oh i don't know yeah 2026 probably yeah maybe 2026 i i mean i wish i had a crystal ball i wish i could tell you i don't i mean I never thought that we, in my lifetime, we would ever see rates get to where they were ever again. Like I was shocked that they stayed as low as they did for as long as they did. Um, it was insanity to me. So if, if I, I mean, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. I can't tell you. I, I mean, I would be really happy if they were in the fives. I still say that this year we'll, we'll, we will see interest rates in the fives again. That's what I think. But I, now that the spring time is sprung and it looks like this, there's so much pent up demand. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to wait until the fall before they drop those interest rates on um, mortgages. And I, I'm wondering if they're going to wait until the fall. That's my prediction because there, there's just too much demand right now. Charles has a question. Christina, have you seen all the real estate YouTube videos this week uh, that the residential real estate sky is falling? It'll be falling even further. Charles, I am um, I am not an alarmist. I'm only going to tell you what I know and what I see. The sky is not falling. In some markets, they have corrected because they were overinflated to begin with. The person that's living in a small town outside of Texas, uh, a person that's living outside uh, of Tampa is not going to see their residential home prices falling 50%. That's insanity. Those same channels that you're referring to have also said that last year that home prices were going to go in the dumpster fire. They were going to go down 30% is what they said. Last year, nobody's nobody ended with a 30% negative number not one city did not one um some of those cities that are seeing the biggest drops deserve it honestly because they should have never been that high to begin with um we are we are not in a crash <laughs> this doesn't look anything like any you know there's there's some areas that have definitely slowed down our area has slowed down but we have not seen uh price drops once they close. Like, let me just put it this way. The house is on the market at 350,000. The house shouldn't have been on the market for 350,000. It should have been on the market for 300,000. Well, they took a $50,000 price drop. People are like, oh, look at the drop that they took on that house. 
they should have never been that high in the begin with. They were, they were dreaming, right? So then the house sells right where it should be, right at $300,000. But in some people's heads, they're like, oh, that house was discounted $50,000. No, it wasn't. The market had dictated the price. The market told you it was 300,000. You didn't listen. So then you had to adjust it to where the market was selling the houses, which was 300,000. The market always dictates the price, always. Even when the prices go up higher, people like to say that the real estate agents are to blame for how much home prices go up. No real estate agent is twisting anybody's arm and telling them, if you don't pay $100,000 more, you're not going to get this house. That's not how it works. There's a there's a chain of events that happens. There's a house, there's a number, the buyers walk through, they say how much they're willing to pay, the sellers and the buyers negotiate that price. And then that then it goes into an appraiser's hand. The appraiser will tell you if the house isn't worth it. If the house isn't worth it, in the last couple of years, if the house wasn't worth it, let's just say it was 350,000, the appraiser says it's only worth 325, the seller says, well, I'm not selling it because that's what I, I want it for. I want three, 350 for it. The buyers, for some reason, were like, well, I really want this house and I'll never get an interest rate like that again. I have $25,000. I'll go ahead and write them a check. They'll write the check out of their own pocket and hand it over to them. And they get, got extra $25,000 cash. Uh, that We will not be seeing that again. But I will tell you, this is true. In a lot of cities, in a lot of areas right now, when in the like the last few weeks when the, the interest rates were just teetering that the low end of sixes almost at 5.99 when it was in that that range there were bidding wars all over again for the most affordable houses because we just do not have enough we just do not have enough so zon has a question um uh, i would like to purchase a second home but I can't afford the 20 percent down plus the six all six percent fees if Okay. So are you talking about like your the 6% fees only relate to the uh, selling of your home? That would be what if you have your home already, the fees that you would pay to a real estate agent, which by the way, are negotiable. Nothing is in stone. You may be able to negotiate that price down. You might be able to do 5% or, you know, or even 4%, 2% on each side. The fees are negotiable. Are there any realistic alternatives to purchasing my second home for income? So you can always buy a less expensive home than the one that you have. If you're wanting to buy a second home and you're not looking to sell your first home, you, when you're purchasing a home, you don't pay fees. You don't pay the 6% real estate fees that you're talking about. Um, that, that doesn't exist. Are you talking about the 6% interest rates? I'm a little confused. But yeah, you can find... Uh, I always say if you're looking for an income producing property, I, right now I get a little creative. Um, I would look like my newest thing that I like looking at is campsite properties where you could put tiny homes on them and people could go camping in those areas. That's always really fun. And you like you can put them on Airbnb. First of all, the little houses you put on there, you can put really nice little houses on there and decorate them really good with, you know, and people love that because they get away from the rat race of the things. Um, that's my newest, my newest like investment idea. <laughs> I love it. Amanda has a question. First time home buyer who has been looking for a home for over a year. Oh, I'm so sorry, Amanda. Is this going to uh, change at all? Love the videos. Amanda, I hate to tell you, 
for if you're looking for an affordable home right now uh, in many most areas across the United States, you're either going to have to look out a lot further than where you want to live or you're going to end up renting. It's just there isn't enough affordable homes on the market. Now, I will tell you, and I've said this before, um, there is if you're looking for like a deal deal, you can always go to foreclosure.com. They have thousands of foreclosures that you never see on the MLS. They even have pre-foreclosures. You can sign up for their newsletter and then you can use my affiliate affiliate link to um, bring down the cost of their monthly cost. I, I have it down to like $35 from them. Um, another way you can get an affordable home, uh, you know, just to be a little bit more crafty is go to hudhomestore.gov. I was, I was kept saying org it's .gov. I got it wrong. Hudhomestore.gov. And you go over there and you can look at houses there. If you end up on a site that says you have to pay a fee in order to look at the houses, you went to the wrong one. Cause uh, I got a lot of those questions. Um, but yeah, I, I, this spring, if the interest rates remain high, you probably won't have as much of a problem finding an affordable house. But if the interest rates for mortgages go down, we're going to be seeing bidding wars for those most affordable houses. Uh, that's my prediction. Um, I've already seen it in a couple markets already. Um, Clementina has a question. Can, uh, can Christina start a modular home community crowdfund? <laughs> I'll be the first to invest. Somebody sent me, uh, I would love to do that, by the way. I always, the, Eddie, you, Eddie will confirm this, my husband. I, uh, my, my dream, if I was to win the lottery, to win the lottery, it would be buy eight acres of land and everybody could build their small house, whether it's a modular or a tiny home, and they would have their own little plot of land and they could live there. They all can do their own thing. They want to put a garden in their front yard. Go ahead, go do that. You know, and then it would be a whole little community center. Everybody has like mismatched, like shaped lots and everybody has their own little community. And somebody had sent me like two days later, sent me a uh, video on YouTube of a, of a community that had done this where they were like, Oh, you know, everybody can do their own thing. Everybody has their own, uh, tiny homes that they can put out there. Yeah. I'd love to do that. That's my, that's my, uh, the big dream. You know, if I was to dream big and win the lottery and like have a bunch of people invest in it, that would be it. That, that would be it. But I want to have it like in Tennessee or something because we're, we're a little, uh, not here in Louisiana. We're a little floody. We're a little mushy. <laughs> I don't want to deal with flooding anymore. <laughs> Azia has a question. Do you think mortgage rates will go back in the threes in 2024 or 2026? No, I do not. No, I do not. And 2024, 2026. No, I, I do not see mortgage rates going in the threes. I, I, I think we're going to be in the fives at some point this year. I think we're going to settle in within the fives for quite some time. And then, um, you know, until this market balances out, we're, we're kind of in a weird holding pattern of what the heck's going to happen next. And that isn't, that's true of everything in the world right now. <laughs> that is so, like, there's no continuity anywhere in the world. <laughs> there's no reassurances. So um, I just don't see we're seeing threes anytime in like, I don't know, not 2023, not 2024. That's for sure. Amanda has a question. So where does this single 27 year old go to live on their own nowadays? Thank you for answering my first question. Well, I'm glad that you're here, Amanda. I appreciate you being part of the, the stream today. Um, so what if it was me, you know, and, and, I, and I was in my 
early 20s again, I would just go further back in the city. Like, so if, say I wanted to live in Atlanta, it would kind of stink, but I would try to find uh, an area that's like, would take me about probably 40 minutes to get into Atlanta. Cause I don't know if you've seen Atlanta traffic. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, or some place that you could uh, take the railway, you know, easily take the railway to work, you know, where you could park it and then take the, the, the bus system there and the rail system there. I would just try to move somewhere further out because some of the areas when I was growing up as a kid that were considered rural Atlanta are now booming metropolis. So it's only a matter of time before those areas end up growing again. So that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Yee. I love that name. Yee has a question. I recently closed on January 2023 on a 4.3% interest rate, which is darn good, on a $565,738 house, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, new construction. Would the rate go down down less than 4%? Would I, uh, I would like to refinance in the future. Mm, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. I just don't, I just don't see uh, uh, mortgage rates going down in the fours anytime soon. Like, I, I, I think you're going to be waiting several years before you're going to refinance if you see anything below, below the fours. But I mean, at 4.3%, you still got, I mean, you, it would have to, it has to be worth it for you to refinance at 4.3%. And it was, let's just say 3.9%. That isn't going to save you that much money. Maybe did you do one of those two, one buy down kind of things? Is that why you're, is that what it is? I mean, I didn't understand. Maybe that's why you're looking for those prices. Serenity cow, long time watcher. Thank you for being on the stream. So this question, many homes in the mountains and beach towns, states like Vermont, New Hampshire, et cetera, are second uh, vacation homes, frequently vacant, causing local housing shortage. Any news about the health of this market debt, et cetera? So this is one of those things that I, I have been looking at because there's several areas that have been talking about this. One of them being San Francisco because they have like quadruple the amount of vacant properties than they've ever had. Like, but people are buying their second properties. They have lots of investors. It isn't just foreign investors. It isn't just local investors, just people that have their property in California and also have a property in Texas. There, there's, thought process. And I don't think it's passed yet, but they've been like almost like a, a fine. If you're going to keep your home, pro, uh, if you're going to keep it vacant for X amount of time, you're going to have to pay like an extra tax. This is uh, something they've tested in Canada because they had an influx of foreign investors that came in that were just only buying the house just to hold on to it. And even when I lived in Florida a thousand years ago, there were properties in our neighborhood that were vacant, that no one ever had ever lived in. Um, that was one of the weirdest things that Eddie and I had. I'm like, why is that house so vacant? <laughs> like there's nobody ever lives there. Like what is going on with it? But they were paying the taxes and everything else. Foreign investor bought it and they were holding onto it as their like retirement fund, I guess. And so they were waiting for the moment to sell it. And they ended up clearing out the house and selling it during the housing boom during 2007. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that because there are some people that just have second properties. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea because it doesn't help a community. If you have a good, uh, you know, over 30% of them are vacant. It doesn't help anybody. 
they just sit there like, you know, and, so, and a lot of times vacant properties aren't taken care of like they should be. Their lawns are not mowed and then they'll mow them when they need, they come into town. They'll take care of the property when it comes into town, you know, um, what if a branch falls on a roof and stuff there? Like who's babysitting those houses? So I don't know. That's, I, I mean, do you guys think that's a good idea? Do you think that vacant properties should some have some kind of tax on them if they've been vacant for more than, let's just say, if your house is vacant for more than seven months out of the year, you have to pay an extra tax? Let me know. Let me know your opinion in the comment section. Just say yes or no. Uh, Tyler says, uh, do you think it is more viable to build or own your own home and hook up utilities versus buying an already made home. That will depend on your area and how much the cost of building a home is in your area. A lot of times people find out that they think it's going to be cheaper for them to build a house. And then they find out how much it costs to get the utilities out to the location of the, the land, having to have the land developed itself with to have the, the, um, you know, new sewage system and drainage and the driveway and everything. By the time they're all said and done, they're like, oh, I just, I'm going to be spending $25,000 more than I would for the one that was already built down the, down the road. The plus to that, the plus is a lot of times when you're building your own custom home, a lot of people don't, I mean, here in Louisiana, they don't live in a subdivision and they don't answer to anybody and there's no HOA. And you, so to them, it's worth the extra $25,000 not to have, you know, a Karen knocking on their door because they left a flag on their, um, on their driveway, a little past the holiday. We have this guy, this is so true. We have this guy in our neighborhood and I'm so, I know this has got to burn up the HOA people. He has a skeleton, one of these like nine or 12 foot skeletons, huge. This thing is humongous. And you know, of course, after Halloween, you're supposed to take it down because that was a Halloween decoration. Oh no, this guy got wise, right? So every holiday that comes up, that guy decorates it. <laughs> he had it dressed up as a turkey. He's had it dressed up for Mardi Gras. He's had it dressed up for Easter. He's uh oh at St. Patrick's Day now. He's got <laughs> this guy has got this 12-foot humongous skeleton out there just to tick off the Karen's decorated right up right on the corner too, right when you drive in. They can't stop him. It's a decoration for the holiday. <laughs> it makes my husband and I just die laughing until we come in. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Mr. Wynette says, uh, what do you think will happen if the unemployment rate starts to go up? As it stands, we have the lowest unemployment rates in 50 years. How long, how long can this continue? So I've given this a lot of thought too. So during the pandemic, during the pandemic, there was a record amount of people that took early retirement. They have expelled themselves from the workforce that was never put into consideration once all of this happened, right? Those jobs did not get filled, right? Not only that, I mean, if we're going to be honest, a lot of people are no longer with us <laughs> because of what has happened. I'm not laughing about that. I'm just saying we had a large amount of people that have passed on because of what has happened. That causes a big ripple effect in the unemployment rate, and it's going to continue until those jobs are streamlined. The jobs will be streamlined. Will those same people that uh, lose their jobs be the same people that own homes? We do not know. We do not know. Because when the housing market fell the last time, it wasn't just the housing market that fell. It was a whole economy that fell. 
So people were losing their jobs and they couldn't pay their mortgage and everything fell apart. I've always, I've maintained and I've said until the jobs market collapses, we're not going to see home prices take historically low hits until that, that market collapses because people are still working and still making that kind of money. Because even with this record inflation, people are still making their mortgages. We still have very low foreclosure rate throughout the, throughout the United States. And even if the for, even if the jobs market was to fall apart tomorrow, it would still take years before those homes hit the market foreclosure-wise. Uh, the foreclosure process is not a short process. It takes a very long time for that those homes to hit the market. Uh, even during the last housing crash, the really the crash started at the beginning of two, uh, the middle of 2006, but we didn't really start seeing the effects until the beginning of 2007. And then we didn't really see those foreclosures hit the market until 2008, 2009, 2010. That's why the affordability rate went up. It took a long time. We're, we won't see affordability in the market until we see enough affordable homes that are either built or there's a foreclosure crisis and a jobs market crisis. So I paid for my cash. Uh, I paid cash for my house. Shandi paid cash for her house in Rapides Parish. I'm thinking of uh, closing my garage, uh, carport for an additional for addition so I can be devoured by mosquitoes. <laughs> so she lives in Louisiana. We have a mosquito problem. Our mosquitoes look like uh, hummingbirds. <laughs> They're humongous. Uh, if you, you can't see it, but right here, I got bit by a mosquito. I have put so much makeup on here. Uh, it's swollen up my eye. I got bit last night right on right there. Those those skeeters are they're bad. They're huge here. Yeah. <laughs> they're apex predators. Yeah. They're terrible. Our mosquitoes are awful. <laughs> they'll they'll come out they'll they'll pick up a small dog. <laughs> they have to say it's the hawk. It's I'm convinced it's the mosquitoes. And then when we moved here, I did not realize that dragonflies could be as big as they are here. We ha they had record rain that hit the backyard of our, our backyard was not, it was not sodded yet. They hadn't sodded. It was all mud. And we had these humongous dragonflies that were just like, they thought it was a swamp, right? They were just hanging out in the back and the hotter and the steamier I got in the afternoon, the more of these dragonflies would come out. I'm like, look at these things. This looks like unnatural. This looks like something you'd see in a in a movie. I told Eddie, I'm like, this is like Jurassic Park. We live in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Byron Thomas has a question. If an appraiser comes into a transaction, who is paying, uh, paying or better yet, who is the appraiser actually working for? The appraiser is paid by the buyer but they work basically for the bank because they're telling the bank, is this investment worth it? Is, is what you're, they, the, what's on the contract, what the buyer's willing to pay, is it worth that amount of money? And so they let the bank know if it's worth that amount of money. And you can have good appraisers and you can have bad appraisers. If you ever feel like you had a bad appraisal done on your home, you can always contest it and give them other comps to what you're saying that the, you know, your house, this house is worth. Um, they do not work for the seller. Um, the buyer doesn't really get to have any kind of say in it. They can talk to them and talk about the appraisal process, 
but appraisers are under a lot more scrutiny than they've ever been in in years. Um, they 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 have to prove the numbers because the data doesn't lie. Sometimes I've seen it where an appraiser uh, for uh, a refi has taken homes from like other neighborhoods to try to make this house worth more so this person could get, you know, a better uh, refi on their house. I, you know, like, cause they're probably doing a cash out refi. But when it comes to the sales, they, they, it's in line with the neighborhood. That's, that's how they come up with the appraisers, appraisal number. So he has a, with the one, uh, with the $2 Super, super chat. Chat. <laughs> What What renovation uh, help increase your home the most, uh, home's most value? Um, renovation wise was the roof. Cause here in Louisiana, our roof, it was, uh, roofs are very important. They don't last, you know, they say like a 30 year roof that's horse pucky here in Louisiana. Uh, if you get 20 years out of a roof here in Louisiana, you won, you won the lottery as far as I'm concerned. So, um, the most would be a roof because people will say, how old's the roof? That's the first question that a lot of buyers ask. Um, the other renovations, if you're just looking for cosmetic renovations to gain the most, um, Equity, of course, kitchens, master bedroom, bathrooms, kitchens, master bedroom, bathrooms. There's always like even as simple as repainting a house can give a new lease on life. I've had years ago, I had a listing and the house was cute, but it had very dated colored walls. I was I'll just leave it as an 80s peachy beige color. It was horrible, if I'm going to be honest. So I like we ended up pulling it off the market. I said, just have the whole house repainted. I mean, you guys don't live there. They had it repainted. They had the trim repainted. That's the only thing they did. The only thing they did. They put it back on the market and it sold for $10,000 more because of repainting. <laughs> because of repainting. It was a, a $5,000 job that ended up, you know, gaining them another, you know, equity in their house. So they were they were pretty excited about that. Kitchens, bathrooms. Yep. Jay says, is it possible to create a small house community in Lafayette or, uh, or are they not hurricane proof? No, they're not hurricane proof. Now, if you wanted to make a tiny home community with something called monolithic dome homes in Lafayette, I'm sure you could, but you're going to still need to get parish approval. If anybody doesn't know a parish here in Louisiana as a county, uh, asking, uh, because it's a dream of mine to invest in if possible. I would, I would, if it was me, I would bring monolithic dome home uh, plans to the committee that approves that in your area and see if that's something they would approve. Cause they're super cute. You can, you can decorate them all sorts of way and paint them different ways. And if you make it like for a specific type of community, like if you made it like this is communities for you know, veterans or this community is for 55 plus, that kind of thing, they're going to be more likely to approve that kind of thing. Just something to think about. Vardiki says, uh, question here in Utah, they are going to give a $20,000 to first time home buyers. This will help down, uh, buy down rates and down payment if it uh, is happening in other states. Is this happening in other states? No. It's not happening in other states. Now, I know Utah, especially like in St. George, saw like ridiculous numbers go up. I mean, there's lots of people that can't afford to buy their first home now in St. George. Um, even if there was a, like, let's just 
we're going to give this an example because I'm talking about the shortage. There's a shortage of affordable homes. So you're going to give an incentive to buyers that already want to buy. They have every, like they certainly want to buy, but there's still not enough inventory out there for them to buy. So now they're given 20% for, for, you know, here's $20,000, here's $20,000, go out there and buy it so you can buy down the rate. But there's not enough homes for them out there to buy. There's just not enough. There's not enough affordable houses. So that all you're doing is adding to the demand problem that's already there. We have a pent up demand problem for the most affordable houses. And it's going to start another bidding war as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't think it's a good idea. We don't need incentives. We do not need incentives for buyers to buy. They want to buy. They would love to buy an affordable house more than anything. We need incentives for sellers to sell their second uh, their second homes. We need incentives for uh, sellers that that have a house in two different states. And you know, we need those incentives that those first time home buyer houses. If you have a house, this would be my idea. The government was like back in the day was willing to give a seven thousand five hundred dollar tax credit to people when they were buying their first house when we had the last uh, crash. What if they gave a two a seven thousand five hundred dollar incentive to for people that had houses that were under fifteen hundred square feet to sellers so they would get that tax credit? There's no difference in the buyers or the sellers to do that. At least those houses would be available for them on the market so buyers could buy them. I mean that's that's an idea. It's an idea out there. <laughs> yep. Clark, the realtor says, exactly, Christina, we need more affordable homes, not uh, incentives. Well, I mean, uh, incentives to the seller would be something out there because the builders don't want to build them. It's, it isn't cost effective for them right now. The building materials are too high. It costs too hot, too much to develop. They, I mean, they know that they would sell like hotcakes. They understand that, but they're not going to do it because there's just no, there isn't enough money in it. They want to, they want to like Scrooge McDuck into profits and you're not going to get those profits with smaller houses. So you're going to have to give that incentive somewhere because the builders ain't going to do it. Jana has a question says, how does the, uh, that work for manufactured homes that you own the land? How does that work? for manufactured homes that you own the land. So like, oh, so you want to purchase a manufactured home and you want, uh, but you already own the land. So there's two ways you can do this. You can buy a manufactured home off the, the lot where they do something called a chattel loan. Just know that if you do a chattel loan, you're going to be paying a higher interest rate because it isn't tied to the piece of property. Once you tie, if you decide to tie it to the property where it's all rolled in one and becomes real property, then you can get a 30 year fixed rate mortgage with FHA, rural development, VA even, and it all is rolled into one. And it will also help with some of the improvements on the land if you needed to have those done like for, um, for like the well or anything like that. Uh, Claire, uh, Oh, right there on Facebook. Claire has a question. Do you recommend connecting with the wholesalers to look for a home to find a discounted property? Uh, there's no regulations when it comes to ho uh, wholesalers, right? So um, I just say buyer beware. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, there's just no, there's no, uh, there's no ways, there's no protections for you as a purchaser um, to buy a home through a wholesaler. There's no one to call up if they if you get a bad deal or you're sold a lemon. You know, there's you can't call the manager is basically what I'm saying. Just buy your beware on that. Question. Can you use more than one down payment assistance program? That depends on your state. We had a 
we had a um we have bond money here in louisiana that was out um there was bond money and then they had the federal uh money that came through when that came through they said you could either take the federal money or you could take the bond money and so they you had to choose one or the other but that's going to depend on what loan packages are available you're going to speak to a lender about that some of them you can some of them you can uh, Mr. Wanette says, question, have you ever heard of uh, the coming Airbnb collapse causing the Airbnb vest? Yes. Okay. So th I, this is really interesting. And I think I talked about this last week, but I'm going to bring it up again. So in the United States right now, there's less than a million Airbnbs across the entire country. Less than a million Airbnbs. We are short in the United States uh, I think what are the, it, the estimates are between, uh, it depends on which one you read. They say between four to 7 million homes. That's how much we're short for affordable housing here in the United States. If the Airbnb business was to collapse that you're assuming, most people are assuming that most of those homes are going to be in the most affordable range, right? Most of them are not, most of them are not, you know, and you got to remember a lot of those Airbnbs as well, again, less than a million are campsites there's yurts there's tiny homes there's rvs like like rv things like so, some of them are not actual houses they're just little areas you can rent a tent you can rent a tent from airbnb then there's a good portion of those that are like on the beach or resort properties a lot of those people are like okay nobody's renting right now i'm gonna go ahead and take this short-term lease turn this property into a long-term leasing uh uh house instead and that's what they'll do um i think the only ones that are really gonna hurt if there was a collapse of the airbnb business are the homes that are the biggest elaborate houses so the like the super rich people are going to be hurting the most but they probably i don't know <laughs> but byron says um i don't know if i asked this question before but if material uh, material prices are going up which they are uh, how can one say there is a possibility? There is a, a possibility for affordable homes. There is a possibility because you can build houses less expensively. More, you can build the houses less expensive if you did modular construction. Those houses can be done for at least ten percent less. And 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 the government. I hate saying this because I know it always gets people's grinds you're like ah the government can give incentives and they actually have even proposed this to manufacturing companies where they can build the houses for less for less money as well so yes it can be done it can be done you can do it it is possible not only that a lot of times what makes it most expensive is regulations because they sit there for so long you know you have your plans and they have to sit there and they have to improve them I'm not saying that like regulations don't have their place, but some of these ways that you have to go through to have a, the approval process for our neighborhood is absolutely stupid. I mean, it's just dumb. So they really need to uh, deregulate some of the process that is required to have a subdivision approved. You don't have to have everybody and their mother looking at these plans to approve it. Um, the other thing too is that there's a lot of government owned land in almost every single area, even local city areas, they own vacant land and they could sell that for a discounted price so that they could have affordable homes in the area. Like Bozeman, Montana 
the city of Bozeman has that kind of land, that's what they should be doing. They should be saying, okay, this is a way, you know, this is a way for to have a more affordable housing. I just saw a video not too long ago that everybody in this one specific area, I think it was in Colorado, that they had all bought these like hoity-toity houses and they were fighting mad that they were going to put affordable homes in in their neighborhood, which wasn't even there in their neighborhood. It was five miles out from the city, five miles out from the city. And they were still boohooing that it's just too close. But you want those people to work there, don't you? I mean, they this is their home and you've priced them out of their home. Let them have some place to live. Like, can we all just be humans again? And I just think like everybody deserves to be able to have a house and own a piece of the pie, the American dream. I think everybody should do that. That's what we were sold since we were kids. You work hard, you, you know, you work on your credit, you make sure you save enough money, you get a good job and you'll be able to buy a house. And that has, that's what was sold to us. And that is not happening. And it hasn't been happening for quite some time. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Why is this happening? Greed. <laughs> that's why this is happening because of greed. Um, that's why like corporate investors are buying up houses. They know it's super profitable and they know that most young people can't afford it. So they're going to give them, they're going to give them a taste of the dream, but you're going to rent it from them. Just like a, you want a luxury vehicle today? You don't, you can't afford that payment. It's over like almost a thousand dollars for a car payment on a luxury car, but you can sure rent it. You can lease that. It's half the price, half the price. So now you have that luxury car, but you only leased it. And then you get a brand new car every few years. It's appealing to people. It's appealing. Uh, Lawnmower says that over 75% of employees that were over 50 and eligible for retirement retired from my former employee. Yeah, see, that that's what I was talking about, early retirement. There's there's so many people that left the job market during the pandemic, and that's why we're having an employment problem, in my opinion, um, in my opinion. Max says, uh, for, uh, home, for home, son, for home, son, the home, uh, the home, HUD home store, do they ever drop the price or are they firm on the starting point? Oh, no, you can negotiate, Max. Everything is negotiable, everything. And they even put on there, if you look on there, they'll even have like a, a pre um, inspection done on the house. So they'll like, they'll test the air conditioning unit, they'll test uh, the water system and all that stuff. They've done that like a pre inspection. I'm not saying not to get an inspection, definitely get an inspection, but they do do a pre-inspection ahead of time. And yes, everything's negotiable. You can always negotiate. Super chat, thank you. Mara Rose with Super a, chat, thank you. Mara Rose with a $5 super chat says, have info about Aunt Randy Jones for you, uh, but, uh, but see two emails from you. Uh, which, which do I send? I've been sick with COVID. Oh, I'm sorry. I had it this summer. By the way, you rock. Um, if you need to send me something, you can send me um, info at christinasmallhorn.com. Just make sure you spell my name right because everybody wants to give me a CH, but I'm Christina with a K. <laughs> my mom says that's the Swedish version of spelling Christina. I don't know how true that is, <laughs> but that's what she told me. All right. AOVO on the farm says Southern Illinois says, you are so right. Greed is standing in the way of the ability to buy a home. I agree. That's, I mean, some people may not agree with me, but I think it is. Greed, greed has been running rampant. Like, I never, 
in a million years as I was growing up, didn't realize how much I always thought in the, in the heart of hearts that most people were good people. And if it, it came down to money or people, they would choose people over money. And I have learned in my older years that that was a fantasy. That's only in the movies. <laughs> that is only in the movies. That is not a real thing. I'd love to say it's a real thing, but apparently it's not. I'm, I, I, just, I can't think that way. I just, I can't wrap my head around that. Carlos Lopez has a question. How does uh, this apply to California? Um, what do you mean? How does what apply to California? Uh, can you elaborate a little bit, my friend? I need to understand that. Um, Mr. Ronat says, uh, what do you think the effect of the lumber prices decreasing 69% in the past year will have to do on the housing market? So that would mean that the, the home builders have want to build right now. And I don't know if you've seen the uh, builder index, you know, the confidence, builder index confidence. They're, oh, they've been feeling icky for like nine months. That That is the dumbest scale anyway. Uh, you know, they've, they've actually, a lot of residential home builders for the last 10 months, nine to 10 months, have pulled out of that market and started building multifamily units, meaning like condos, townhomes, um, apartment buildings, because they know that they're rentals are coming into the mix and they knew that they could make money that way. So they got into the rental market and they're going to come back now that lumber is coming down. Well, it's always one or the other. So like lumber is coming down, but like uh, cement goes up and nails go up and drywall goes up, you know, it's one or the other. It could have a reflection on home prices. They're more flexible now. Home builders are, they're more flexible to work with home buyers. Uh, they're giving more incentives to home buyers, whether that's closing costs or buy downs uh, in upgrades, which is really good because a lot of those builders took home buyers for a ride for two years because they knew they had them and they were like, you don't like the price, so what? And they did. If you look at like all you have to do is go through YouTube and start looking up. Uh, I bought a I bought a bad brand new home and start looking at some of the videos for the last couple of years. Some of these big builders built junky products and they did not care. They did not care in one bit. There's a guy that I saw, he's like talking about his specific home built by this one huge home builder. Um, there's initials in the name. The whole front of his house wasn't attached. Like the brick facade that was on there was literally coming off. They ignored him until he got the local news to come out and take a look at his house. And then once they, uh, they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're on our way, we're on our way. <laughs> then they came out there, then they came out there. So um, I don't know, I, I, time will tell. If home builders that wanna build, wanna make money and the, the market goes south, the, oh, the one thing they can always count on, no matter what the market is, first time home buyers have always held up the housing market in the worst, housing markets. First time home buyers always rule the roost. So, oh look, yep, foreclosures.com. This is the uh, website I was telling you about. There's actually an affiliate link in my description for foreclosures.com, gives you a little bit of a discount. Um, you can go on anywhere on there. You can pick any city, you can type in the zip code and it will give you some properties that are uh, available. Because you see the price on there, they are always negotiable. Even though it's a foreclosure, you know, 
Don't be ridiculous, though. If those people bought the house for $450,000 and you're trying to get it for $300,000, most likely you're not going to get it. <laughs> just, just FYI. <laughs> but yeah, they always have these up there. And the best thing about this particular website, because I was like, who wants to pay for a website to go look at foreclosed properties? That what makes this unique is the fact that these foreclosures are not going to be on your MLS. They're the ones that are like the bank is trying to get rid of and they haven't listed it on the MLS. They're not on the open uh, open uh, real estate market. It's like the behind the scenes market. Not all of them, but a good portion of them. I've had investors actually get some pretty good deals on here. I had some pretty good deals. But if you're not an investor and you're wanting to get a home uh, where you didn't have to pay a fee, you can always look at hudhomestore.gov, right? <laughs> All right, everybody. Look, I hope that you have a fantastic week. If you need anything for um, from me, just make sure that you just go to my website, christinasmallhorn.com. Look, you just pick, just click on one of the pink buttons. Just click on that. Fill out your information. Please, for the love of Pete, put your phone number there. Because if you don't put your phone number there, I cannot contact you. Because I call. I personally call you. And I talk to you on the phone. Go to christina.smallhorn.com. Fill out that form. Push send. And it immediately goes into my inbox. I answer those uh, emails twice a week. So just make sure you go out there. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Next week, we should have a guest. If you have any ideas on who we should have as a guest, please, please put it in the comment section after this is published. If you are wanting to hear this as a live stream, but you don't want to open up YouTube, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on anywhere you can think of. You get your podcast. We're there now. So yay. I hope everybody had a good time. This was fun. This was fun. I did this all by myself. I'm, I'm excited. My my throat's a little dry, not gonna lie. Thank you, moderators, for making sure the chat stays nice and clean. I always appreciate you. Moreover, go ahead and put this, uh, your question. I just saw it come through. Make sure you put your question in after this stream is over so I can go ahead and answer you. All right, everybody. Thank you. Have a great night. Oh, and thank you to the super chatters and our new members too. Yes. Thank you to them. <laughs> I always think I can break dance. I don't know how to break dance, but I'm going to pretend that I do. Yeah. Am I feeling it really good? <laughs>